My name is Claire Press and this is Wardrobe Crisis, the podcast that unzips fashion's issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, are we starting? <laughs> we are seeing a kind of almost Zoolander-esque caricature of how excessive fashion can be. Our love shifting was like 16 to 20 hours a day. I would work like 450 hours in a month and making only $6. Creativity is one of the most powerful things that humans have. We underestimate the power of beauty and the power of humour. These are qualities that connect people and connectivity is a really potent thing right now. Don't point a finger, impart knowledge and information instead. Plus size modelling can go suck it. Um, <laughs> it's our job as designers to explore and discover beauty everywhere. So your voice is crucial and powerful in the supply chain. Join me every week as we talk ethics, sustainability and the business and madness of fashion. From who made your clothes to how they impact on the environment to the politics of personal style. We are so hot right now. Oh, it's getting hot. My parents feel that this is a waste of time. I tell them go because everything is just fine. My favourite bit of my day job is talking to designers. I love finding out how they do what they do and why. In this episode, I talk fashion, feminism and designing for strong women with Tome's co-founder, Ramon Martin. So Tome is the New York fashion label designed by Ramon and Ryan Lobo, old friends of mine. They met while studying fashion in Sydney many years ago. And Ramon went on to work for brands like, I think, Alberta Ferretti, and Gautier, but certainly Derek Lamb, before the duo launched Tome in about 2010. Since then, they have been killing it. They've been CFDA Vogue Fashion Fund finalists. Anna Winter came to their studio. Their shows are like these crazy hot tickets. You will see famous faces at those shows. They do have beautiful fans and they do make beautiful clothes, but the reason I was so keen to get them on this show is not that. It's because they do it with such terrific purpose. They're often inspired by female artists and they're really into this idea of strong women and diversity. Ryan and Ramon believe that fashion should be way more inclusive. And so Tome is like one of the few runway brands I can think of that make zero fuss about presenting diverse visions of beauty on the runway. So they're just not scared of casting older models or models who are not a size zero But they're not doing it to get attention. They're doing it because it feels right. It feels modern. This season's shows in New York in particular were some of the most politically motivated we've seen for ages. Tome looked to the Guerrilla Girls, the feminist art collective, for a show inspired by the women's marches, by the Trump administration's attacks on Planned Parenthood. In a time of global protest, and that's the phrase that Tom used on the show notes for Fall 17, how can designers respond? Should they even try? How can high fashion combine the pursuit of gorgeousness with a serious messages about diversity and equality? What role does the runway have to play? In this episode, we discuss all this, plus the idea that, as Ramon says, we underestimate the power of beauty and humour to help us connect. Ramon, hi. Thank you so much for joining us on Wardrobe Crisis. Thank you for having me. It's exciting. I've been a massive fan of Tome since your inception, as you know. Thank you. Yes, I do. You've been a great supporter. Thank you. But I want to start talking about feminism because it feels like the right time for this conversation. And because the women's marches that began in Washington and spread like wildfire around the world, I feel like the kind of right context for your most recent collection, Fall 17. 
Yes, very Why much. Why is that? Like, what sort of conversations were you and Ryan having around the Women's March? Well, uh, I mean, I, I think the time in lead up to to that historical event. I, I mean, it was it was a global event that um, was awe inspiring and and really changed. I think we're going to find out that it's changed the course of history and it's going to play out in the coming years. But uh, in lead up to that, Ryan and I have home uh, based in New York and we've been there for close to six years now. And, um, you know, New York is home and America is home. And what had been happening in lead up to the election uh, was uh, something that neither Ryan and I had ever experienced. And, and we're not citizens uh, in America. We we can't vote, so we don't necessarily have a, a a voice in the in the political system. But we did witness what we were hoping to be a very historic election: uh, Hillary Clinton going into office, and that didn't happen. It really uh, it took a U turn. <laughs> there was so much feeling that it would among so many people. There really was. There really was, and there was there was huge support. And I, I you know, there's yeah, and I think there's very much a. Um, you know, there is an issue in America and there is an issue around the world that we're seeing playing out that, uh, you know, people are very uh, isolated. They're in their bubbles. They don't communicate. They don't necessarily have an un- understanding of, you know, the the person standing beside them, let alone the person standing on the other side of the country. America is a very big place and it is there is a political divide that I don't think we necessarily experience to the degree of that in Australia. You know, I, I think... It, to talk about Australian politics is difficult for me because I haven't been here in so long, but I feel like there's not such a divide um, like we've been seeing around the world, like Brexit and uh, what's happening in France right now. And we were all in shock when that happened, uh, when Trump got into office. Uh, and, uh, you know, the reaction to that the following day of seeing the world of women stand up and say, you know, we are going to hold our government and you know, humanity to a certain standard and we're not going to back down. And that was that was a really important moment that we've all witnessed, you know, and we've all been able to 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 be a part of and we should be a part of. And your business partner, Ryan, did actually go to the march in Washington. He did. Yes. And uh, I don't think anybody um, who was either traveling to Washington or, or traveling to any of the major cities around America uh, anticipated uh, the enormous turnout and yeah. the um, first of all the strength in numbers and the, just how civil it was as well. Yeah. Like it was such a calm protest. That's because I mean, it's it really, women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know completely, I feel like I can say completely. that. Completely, like, it is. Yeah. It I mean, is. We talked um, before. I think um, Ryan and I talked before when I spoke to both of you after your show. And he talks about this kind of really positive energy and humor and goodwill yeah. that was in the air at the march. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know those are powerful things. Those are those are things that were probably a little bit in 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 our history a little bit. We underestimate we underestimate the power of beauty and the power of humor. You know these are these are qualities that connect people, and connectivity is a really uh, potent thing right now, and it's definitely the thing that's lacking. So um, yeah, it's it's women that are leading the charge there. I love those two words that you use, which are beauty and humor, and I want to talk about the Gorilla Girls. Let's talk about the Gorilla Girls. Beauty and humor and kind of activism and also a fierceness, but... Oh yeah, um, completely. 
he collaborated with the Gorilla Girls on this collection, which is extraordinary. Uh, yeah, well, I, it wasn't necessarily a How collaboration. I mean, it was really about connecting with the artists and... Well, they didn't come in there and They, they didn't. They didn't. Unfortunately, they didn't. We, <laughs> as much as we would have loved to be sitting around a table, everybody with a Gorilla mask on, making fashion, uh, <laughs> we didn't that do that. Picture. But, well, where did it start? I suppose... It really starts about six years ago when, when Ryan and I first formed the brand and we found ourselves at the beginning of the first collection and the beginning of every subsequent collection really looking into a woman's world and uh, taking a different muse or inspiration each season and season over season the women that inspired us were, were artists, were creators and we just would immerse ourselves in the worlds of everybody from from uh, George O'Keefe through to Anna Mendieta and 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 all the qualities that that we appreciated or admired in their work, which included you know like from the discipline that they had to do their work right through to the 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 beauty that they created or the the political uh, strength behind what they were doing. And um, I feel like Fall 17 really, really culminated with the, the Gorilla Girls because in, in line with what was happening uh, in America and around the world, the Gorilla Girls were, were are uh, an activist group. They, uh, they've been fighting for equality in uh, the art world and representation of female artists in major galleries uh, and museums around the world because of the dispor uh, disproportionate representation of women artists. And, and for 30 years, because they just marked their 30th anniversary, was it last year? Yes. What I think was so inspiring for, for us this season about the Gorilla Girls is because it wasn't just about taking a... a you know, a, a, a female artist or, or creator as inspiration, but actually aligning ourselves with the politics and the you know the desire for equality the feminism of what they do they are anonymous they are anonymous so they're an anonymous collective we don't know who they are but you reached out to them and i believe someone called frida carlo responded we got a response from frida carlo and kathy kolowitz so they they adopt the names of uh, famous female artists from uh, different eras so you got to converse with frida carlo she was great to chat with. <laughs> um, she she didn't have an accent, which I was surprised. She had an American accent. Um, she was putting it on. Yeah. No, they're, they're really incredible. And, and I think there's incredible energy right now in America off the back of, uh, yeah, I don't want to say disastrous, but um, a really... Uh, well, let's call it a dangerous time. You yeah. know, there's a lot of there's a lot of things in jeopardy right now. You know, there's a lot of human rights in jeopardy. And you used the phrase in your show notes, a time of global protest. It is sort of sums it up, doesn't it? That there's a lot of change, there's yeah. a lot of fear, yeah. and there's a lot of protest. Look, the great thing that has come out of this whole process is that people are engaged. You know, people are politically active. People are coming together and forming groups and strengthening their voice as one. And uh, yeah, it's 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 exciting. It's I just, exciting. I wanted to just raise because I was I was doing a bit of research before I was meeting with you, and I saw that the Gorilla Girls had unleashed an art installation across phone booths in New York City. <laughs> as opposed to say resistance. Is when did that come out? I didn't. I didn't see. I didn't see. So in April, end of April, and the posters say resistance is female, and were appeared sometime in the dead of night. It's true. I wanna I wanna write that 
everywhere. I want that on t-shirts. I want that on the back of blazers. Like, like, let's put it everywhere. It's, it's true. It's, it's, you know, what we do when working in, in, in fashion, you know, there's a lot of frivolity and there's mm. a lot of, uh, and there's a lot of fun, you know, it's a, it's a great industry. It's, it's, um, it's wonderful to be in. It's wonderful to do something creative. It's, you know, it's, it's fun playing with clothes, but you're also, you're standing in front of an audience of women and, you know, you do need to stand for something now. Brands out there that are creating themselves and creating identities, um, you have to have principles and you have to have desires and you have to have uh, consciousness of, of, of what's happening out there or be conscious, I should say, of what's happening out there. I think that's the sensitivity that we that we have, and a lot of a, a lot of brands, and not necessarily fashion brands, but brands, you know, across you know, very you know, the spectrum of product out there. It's important to engage with a customer, and you can't just engage just at a product level itself. You or need even to. Just with beauty. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I don't know. You you have to think of like what what are you giving to a woman out there? Like what is she what is she taking away from from what you're doing? Because otherwise. If you if you can't give her something, if you can't give her a takeaway, make her feel good, make her um, feel inspired, you know that's 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 what fashion has given us over the years. That's what fashion gives like many of the people that that work in this industry very very hard. I mean, you <laughs> you work crazy hours and you're very very committed. And and what's the takeaway? The takeaway is that you're inspired, you're energized. So we want to do that not just with the people that we work with, but with our customer too. You talked about values and you talked about consciousness. We're going to get into your views on and work towards sustainability a little bit later on. But just on that whole idea of, of how fashion can be more than just surface, more than just vacuous, it has to reflect context, or does it? I think it always has. I think if we just get... We, uh, fashion designers or fashion people, I should say, probably we're not taken so seriously in the grand scheme of things which is not a bad thing because you you can be a little bit more subversive and you can be a little bit more reactive you know so i i think that's what what is underestimated about fashion is the potency of fashion and and you know when you look at the history when you look at the history of fashion and you see that it has been there for for every every stride that we've taken in history, you realise just how entwined it is in the story of women. Yeah. And actually, when you said that, it made me think of, think about the suffragettes wearing their yeah. purple sashes or think about, you know, kind of the strides, if you want to be puntastic, that we made <laughs> after the war when they were like, I am wearing trousers and yeah. I'm not giving these up. Completely. You know, from the trouser suit right through to like a Mary Quant baby doll dress, you know, like, you know, a mini the mini skirt. It's just... Political. It's political, political and potent and it changes. It's very, fashion is very in your face <laughs> in a way that, um, you know, it's, it's, you, you put something on your body and you walk out the door and whether those people in the street want to be an audience to whatever you're perhaps politically representing by putting that on your back and walking out the door, you know, they're, they're going to see it. There is a lot of power in fashion. The most obvious, perhaps, or perhaps literal example of wearing your politics on your chest, not sleeve, would be... <laughs> on your gorilla chest. 
Well, the most obvious answer is the slogan t-shirt. Since Dior put the t-shirts on their runway inspired by Chimamanda Adichie that say, we should all be feminists. That's mm-hmm. kind of a phrase that's on everybody's lips. Should we all be feminists and including men? Yes. <laughs> that that is a no, black and white answer. And the that. answer is yes. You know, how can you not look to your brother or your sister and say you don't deserve the same rights that I have you know uh, uh, it doesn't make sense to 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 Ryan and I just doesn't make sense to um, how should I say this just to to say that you're not a feminist (laughs) is is to say that you just don't believe in equality you are two blokes (laughs) (laughs) I love being back in Australia (laughs) blokes I'm English, but I do like to adopt the Aussie vernacular. <laughs> All right, you're two gentlemen. <laughs> Blokes is fine. We designed for women. We do. How do you approach that? And can you talk me through the process? Well, I think everything that we've been speaking about from from point of inspiration to being uh, sensitive to what is happening, you know, socially or politically around us, you know, it's a, it's about channeling all of that that information, that that feeling into the product that we do, you know, at a at a conceptual level and at a uh, at at the level of messaging and and uh, storytelling, which is really really important. And then at a practical level, you know, like at a uh, at the working with the product itself, we have a really incredible team. Um, the majority of our team uh, are women. And it's very much a round table discussion during fittings, during development. You know, and we, we ask the questions. We ask the questions of our team. We ask the questions of the women that we know. Do you like this? You know, does this, would you wear this? Is this something that is relevant to your life? You know, do you have, do you have any use for this product? And if the women that we know and the, and the women that we work with can't answer yes, then not that we compromise our vision or anything like that, but... We're less inspired to do it if it do, if it's not relevant. We we just we lose the desire to work in that direction. You know, the engagement for us is really about is about relevance and and wearability. And I say wearability not in the sense of commerciality. You know, with you can you can do something wild. You can do a, a, a crazy outfit and crazy volumes and crazy colors and all that sort of thing. As long as somebody is going to put it on and feel great and 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 you know we don't know who we're dressing out there. It could be the future female leader of, of America. So uh, we want to create positivity and drive and help reinforce a woman's sense of identity rather than compromise it. You talk about surrounding yourself, yourselves hmm. with uh, women that you know, women that you love, women that you admire, strong women. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to name some for listeners who may not know some of the famous ones because, you know, this can be an in for people. Some of the big names who've won Tome, I'm thinking Sarah Jessica Parker, mm-hmm. Amal Clooney. Yes. Come on, that's cool. She's a strong woman. Oh, she's incredible. Who else? Go on, do it. Uh, who who else? Oh, my gosh, the the list is really, really long and, and I'm, I'm going to be... Lost for words. I, Emma Watson is somebody that we've recently started dressing, and she has a, an incredible agenda. First of all, she's a UN ambassador for um, for women's rights and human rights, uh, and secondly, she has incredible discipline of wearing sustainable fashion, whether it be for press or red carpet. And 
that's hard out there. You know, there's not a lot of brands doing, well, it's, it's hard to be sustainable, first of all, and there's not a lot of brands that necessarily do relevant uh, red carpet or, you know, Academy Award yeah. <laughs> dresses, those sorts of things, you know, out of recycled materials or um, eco cottons or whatever it may be. She's a leader. You she know, is. She's a legend. She really I think is. what she's doing is extraordinary. Yeah. She's really drawing a light, shining a light on the issues that perhaps yeah. is more populist than it has been in the past. So everyone knows about Emma Watson and the yeah. Beauty and the Beast press tour and yeah. all of the cool things that she's wearing. So she's using her power for good. She really is. And I think that's, I think we're seeing a little bit more out, out of this younger generation of, of celebrities that are coming out. These are people in the spotlight and they're very aware that they're in the spotlight and they have their own brand to, you know, to maintain and build and do all those sorts of things. So, you know, sometimes it's hard to be political or take a stand on, uh, mm. on a certain side. But I think we've dressed, uh, we've dressed Emma Watson. Uh, Shailene Woodley is an amazing uh, animal rights activist. That's, that's exciting for us. There's an exchange there for us. Addressing these women, it's not just about, you know, mm. sending clothes to them or putting a product on a celebrity or something like it's that. It's a conversation. They've, it's a conversation. It really does begin something. And um, part of that conversation, or the, the, the person that's most important in that conversation is our customer, is the, is the person that is making that choice to, to purchase either a sustainable product or something that is not sustainable. Mm. Purchase sustainable, please, customers. <laughs> also, I like um, one of the things that always drew me to your brand, apart from the power of you, you two and your design, is the inclusivity of the beauty of it. I'm 40, I'm not 20. I don't look good in every single thing. I look good in tone. It's really important. Diversity, uh, you know, we, we keep on flipping between um, these, these words, diversity and uh, inclusiveness. And, you know, there's a there's lots of debates right now of what what the right word is, because inclusiveness obviously is is a little bit more positive about where we're in the habit of saying diversity, regardless of what it is. I think what you're getting down to is like treating an individual as an individual. Right. If there is a remarkable woman doing something incredible, regardless of her age, her background, the color of her skin, that's somebody to celebrate and that's what we try and do. We really try and think of everybody as an individual out there. So, you know, it makes me happy to hear when when you talk about, you know, wearing Tone Claire and you you feel great in it. That makes me feel satisfied. It makes me feel like we've done our job. How do you translate that thinking onto the runway? And I wonder if you might share a little bit about um, casting models. You know, there's there's a responsibility for designers out there to step up and start to cast a wider eye to to beauty, I think. I think we've become very, we have a narrow vision these days, you know, and um, we have these expanding horizons, you know, global, globalization and um, a world market and very different, different customers all the way around the world. So to, to sort of coddle one idea of, of beauty and never never step outside of that it just seems counteractive to what you're doing so we cast a very wide net when we when we cast a show we we look at all the talent that's coming through the door and um we're really looking for feeling we're looking for that that special moment you know uh, the, the clothes do nothing on its own it's it's when you put it on uh, when a woman steps into that dress or that shirt or whatever it is, that's when it comes to life. And so we're looking for those magic moments when we're dressing women for our show. You know, we we ask our models. You know, regardless of their their age, 
or their size, we say, you know, what do you like? What do you want to wear? What makes you feel good? So sometimes they, they get to pick their own outfits as well. <laughs> and, you know, that's that hopefully we hope that that comes through in the show that you, you feel that you feel you feel that they feel good. And yet there still remains this sort of peculiar controversy around, ooh, you had a girl on the runway who wasn't a size zero. Is that not a bit strange to you? It is to me. I feel like we should have moved on. Yeah, I, we hear so many excuses of like, oh, it's just like, if you had all these different sizes, then it'd be like custom, custom making a whole collection and you can't like, you know, you have to standardize things and it's just too hard, it's too expensive for the designer. And it's just like... We waste so much money on so many stupid things in the world. Like this is one of the most important moments for the brand of like really sending out a message there of, of positivity and, and, you know, female first consumerism, you know, like saying like, buy the product that makes you feel good, buy the product that is okay. relevant to you. Don't, don't fall into the trap of buying something that is a marketing ploy. I think it's lame. Sorry yeah. <laughs> for all those people who are not doing it out there. Sorry. I don't know. D diversify. Try something new. You know, you, you just, it's our job as designers to explore and, and, and discover beauty everywhere. Talking of trying something new, um, <laughs> let's talk about sustainability because you don't use the phrase sustainable brand when you talk about Tome. Tome's a fashion brand. And yet you do innovate and you are taking steps to be more sustainable and to do some cool stuff around that word sustainability it's really uh i mean it's a really tricky thing for i think everybody out there in fashion land to define what sustainability is and have some sort of measure or standard it's kind of open to interpretation right now which makes it really hard i think for for it makes it hard for designers it makes it hard for consumers to know what the right choice is so I think the first step is transparency and really knowing where things come from, how they're made, you know, and, and buying things that are relevant to you, like not only the product, but the supply chain that it comes from. And that was really uh, the foundations for that for us. And, and I don't think we, we didn't launch ourselves as a sustainable brand. Um, what happened very, very early in our formative years is that we partnered with Katie Ford at Freedom for All Foundation and we started the White Shirt Project. And White Shirt Project is a capsule collection that we develop uh, twice a year and uh, it supports Freedom for All Foundation that fights human trafficking and modern day slavery. And the majority of victims of modern day slavery are women. Mm. So it's about like 85 to 90%. And we saw a real opportunity to make what we do really count you know basically put your money where your mouth is kind of philosophy of what we wanted to do and uh, all profits are donated to freedom for all foundation and we have done some things that we're really really proud of in regards to you know the messaging and the awareness that we've been able to build around freedom for all foundation and white shirt project and had incredible celebrities uh, support us from, I, I want to say most recently, it was Kristen Bell and uh, January Jones in, in Los Angeles. We recently had a dinner, partners like Swarovski. It's, we talk about a supply chain that is for women, by women, every woman. And we really believe in making clothes, you know, employing and engaging female artisans and female workers to make the clothes, selling it to an empowered uh, customer. So we, we think of every customer as, as an investor. They have the choice to take their dollars and put mm -hmm. it somewhere where it counts. 
And with that money, we can we can change the world. We can fight with Freedom for All Foundation. We can emancipate women around the world and put them in safe houses or free them from. We're currently working with a project in Peru working on domestic violence there. Um, and you've just been to Peru. Ryan right? was just in or Peru. Yes. Were you working with an artisanal collective on the knits for 417? We that are. It? We work with. It's called the Knitting School. So it is. Uh, it is an organisation that actually funds the education of female artisans and uh, female collectives in Peru to acquire a knitting skill and then actually build that skill. Um, you know, season over season. So then eventually graduate to uh, you know like hand knitting and uh, working in factories and they. Off the back of this, they build uh, childcare, education facilities. They build uh, safe houses for women fleeing domestic violence. So fashion is a very, very powerful thing. It is an industry that affects so many people's lives. And the supply chain, I, I think this is why transparency is so important. It's not just to reveal what's bad out there. It's also to reveal the opportunities that you can partake in to improve how we do things. That's that's what we try and bring to our customer. That's a beautiful way of putting yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about what I think is the most radical thing that you guys have done with sustainability. I don't know what you're about to say. What are you going to tell really, me? I was blown away when I heard this. It seems simple, but to me it's like, what? No one does this. <laughs> For your Fall 17 runway show and collection, you revisited, I'm going to call them archival, but why even use silly language? You revisited styles that you've already shown and was... you didn't even change them <laughs> but not because you couldn't be bothered to make some new ones but because you believe and can see that there is longevity in those designs and that they are not simply obsolete the, sh the shape of a jacket the shape of a skirt is not obsolete simply because it wasn't this season talk to me a little bit about that well claire it's uh, i have you to thank for it Really, <laughs> I do. I, I have I have people like yourself, people who have known our brand since since we first started in what what was it twenty eleven, that have pieces from the first collection that still wear those pieces that are still like oh my god I still love that shirt or that dress or whatever it is, and you know hearing that from from our from our very first customers and our first friends that that wore the product that still wear the product this the the same product that um they have from six years ago we realize the longevity in, in in what we do and and the importance of the shelf life of a product and that it should be well made and that it should last a very long time and with that sentiment we we kind of approached the last collection with the same sort of feeling where you know six years in now we have so many collections under our belt and there is so much of an archive and you look at all these pieces and you think it's still good. <laughs> we still like it. We're still happy. You know, it's still relevant. It still looks good. So sometimes you don't have to reinvent the wheel. And we want our customers to have the same sentiment with their own wardrobes. You know, like season over season, you know, fashion. It, it's, it's such a catch-22 with fashion because, you know, we're promoting new products every six months or every three months or, you know, if you're fast fashion every week and telling you to buy more, buy more, buy more. And you have these bulging closets of clothes that, you know, you open those doors and you think I've got nothing to wear. And it's not true. You have incredible things to wear. Revisit them, revive them and style them new and, and be creative with, with what you already have. 
I guess I just want to finish up by asking though, <laughs> how do we balance fashion's relentless desire for new, 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 more, 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 and growth in order to be profitable with this idea of slowing down and looking back and taking longer? If you can't answer that, then you get rich. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the getting rich is, is, is for the greater community. And I think that's what we're, we're experiencing now with, with supply chains is that there is a sense of, it's not just about it's not just about the profitability of the brand it's it's about the the success of the brand your supply chain and the effect that it has on you know those local environments and and communities and i think investing in in localized sustainably practicing supply chains uh, means that you're investing in you know like a social agendas that support education, that support the empowerment of women, which is, you know, the success of any microeconomy right now is is putting putting that power in the hands of women. So we're we're looking at that in our in our own systems of, of how we make clothes. We we ask our customer to participate in that and that's why we share as much information about how we make clothes as possible. Yeah. Hopefully it'll have a trickle-up effect, you know. A trickle-up effect. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, and eventually from a smaller brand to the big brand. Smaller brand to the bigger brand, brands, to other industries, slowly into politics, and then the next thing you know, we're going to be voting for. Um, well, you could be the next prime president. minister of of, <laughs> of Australia or, or the next female president of America, you know. And that's what we want to see. We want to see change. And with that, I will thank you so very much for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ramon Martin from Tome. Do I say Ramon Martin? You can say it however you like it. Ramon Martin. <laughs> I'm never going to say no to you, 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 you know that. Because I love you. Because I love you. Thank you for listening to Wardrobe Crisis. To learn more about our guests and the issues that we've spoken about today, hop on over to my website, which is clairepress.com forward slash podcast. You can get in touch there and I really hope you will. I'd love to hear from you. And you can also find links to my social media. And finally, if you're enjoying the show, please head over to iTunes and subscribe. You know what they say, first in, best dressed. Subscribers are first to find out when there's a new episode and it also helps other people discover wardrobe crisis, so I'd love your help with that because the more people who switch on to ethical fashion, the better. Music is by Montaigne. She recorded this special acoustic version of Because I Love You, which is from her Glorious Heights album, especially for wardrobe crisis. How good is that? Thank you, Montaigne. Because I love you, my parents feel that this is a waste of time Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.